This podcast is a project of the Mass Cultural Council. We believe in the power of culture, the arts, humanities, and sciences to enrich communities, advance equity, and foster creativity. If we're going to change anything about you know, the core values or the artistic product itself, we have to make sure it's being driven by our, our artistic values. Any audience can usually tell if, uh, if, say, an artistic change has been driven by a marketing committee or if it's really being driven by artistic collaboration. Hello, I'm Anita Walker at the Massachusetts Cultural Council. Welcome to Creative Minds Out Loud. Our guest today is Graham Wright. He's the founder and CEO of Opus Affair. And Graham, you just told me you were a chemist. What are you doing on an arts nerd program? <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I definitely... Uh, I identify with nerds of all sorts. So yeah, no. What originally brought me to Boston was I, I was doing graduate work in chemistry, and um, while on the side was always just a very serious musician. And and over time, the the balance shifted a bit, and I, I made the move entirely to being a performer for several years. I'm a classical singer, um, and then after doing that for a little while, eventually shifted to work more behind the scenes. So the reason you're here is you have been doing a lot of work with organizations who uh, want to attract more young professionals into their audiences. Um, it seems to be sort of the target, uh, one of the favorite targets of our nonprofit cultural organizations. And you um, have developed some strategies around that, but when we started this conversation, before we turned the tape recorder on, you said, that's what everybody thinks they want, but it may <laughs> not really be the issue. So say more. Well, yeah, so that's, that's usually the, it's the start of the conversation. Um, and then, uh, you know, then we see where it goes from there. Um, so I guess I should say uh, I've been doing young professional uh, outreach or young professional events for almost 10 years now. So <laughs> it's kind of a joke with our team that, you know, young well, exactly. <laughs> so Opus Affair itself is about nine years old now. So I was in my 20s when I started it. I'm much closer to 40 now. <laughs> um, but you know, over the years, uh, doing our, our own work, we've gotten to work with a lot of organizations and see uh, a, a range of approaches and see what works and what doesn't work, um, or you know, what, what, how the challenges have changed over time. Um, so when I said that uh, identifying the young professionals is just the start of the conversation, um, uh, probably the quick way to delve into that is to say age is just one dimension. Right, so um, as we were scheduling this podcast, in fact, I had a conversation with another staff member here who said, oh, I've never been to one of your events because I'm too, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm the right old. age, I'm too old. <laughs> I said, well, it's funny you say that because we're on the phone, I've never met you, I have no idea how old you are, but I'm going to say, no, you're not. It's, it's oftentimes much more about what's the type of event you're interested in, what's your lifestyle like. So, you know, say, for example, if you're a 22-year-old single mother, you might not want to go to the same kind of party as a 45-year-old, you know, single person with no kids would want to go to. It's not about age, <laughs> at the you know that sort of primary fundamental level. Um, so in any case, that's usually where we start, um, and then of course the conversation expands based on you know what's your programming like, what's what's your you know the artistic content like, what um, what's the context for what you do. Um, so if, if, for example, you're you know, someone like the, the ICA or the ART, your programming might already resonate with a younger audience to begin with. So the challenges you have will be very different from a Boston Symphony or a Museum of Fine Arts. So short answer, age is one dimension. It's a great place to start, <laughs> but it's not the sum total of the conversation. Sometimes organizations look at their audience and they say, what don't we have? That's what we want to go get. And oftentimes it's not... Um, just the fact that it's the audience, it's the programming that they present appeals to a certain demographic. And in order to get a new audience, they might have to adjust their programming. Yeah, and that's, that's 
frequently part of the conversation we have, and I usually throw up a little bit of a flag to say, all right, we have to be tread very carefully at this point, um, because if we're going to change anything about you know the core values or the artistic product itself, we have to make sure it's being driven by our our artistic values. Um, you know, when we're talking about changing the context of the art, we, we can be a little quicker to move, a little bolder and riskier there. But um, I think any audience can usually tell if, uh, if, say, an artistic change has been driven by a marketing committee or if it's really being driven by artistic collaboration or by some kind of artistic venture. So I, give a couple of examples. I was say, I can list some examples. Yeah. And, and usually I, I like to attach names to the successes and be a little more yeah. <laughs> anonymous with the, the yeah. exactly, <laughs> exactly. Or, you know, since I said I was a former scientist, I, I rarely use the term failure. It's, I just like to say unexpected result. Okay, good, good, good. good. <laughs> so let's say the unexpected result yeah. we didn't want. What's exactly. an example of that? Well, so um, say, you know, if, if you invest uh, a lot of money in a one-off program that's um, something that's very different from what you do on a regular basis that might, um, uh, well, I guess there's a couple ways this can go wrong, that it might not resonate with your current audience and you haven't done the groundwork you need to do to connect with a new one. You don't have partnerships, you don't have any kind of base yourself, and then you find yourself uh, with, without anyone there. Nobody uh, likes it. <laughs> yeah, well, you can kind of alienate your, your, um, your traditional uh, support and not have built that emerging support yet. Um, there's a really fantastic book that I frequently reference called The Innovator's Dilemma. It's very focused on, on the technology side of things, but it's about that question of how do you um, how do you take care of your established audience while giving yourself room to create that emerging audience? Um, so you know, uh, I, I look at there's there was a, a particular project a few years ago where um, uh, a music organization in town decided they wanted to do something that was in a very non-traditional venue, get do some programming there that was a little riskier, and. Um, they sold out almost immediately to their normal subscribers. So it meant they had no room for, for new anybody people. new. <laughs> so what do you do in a situation like that? You know, uh, you, it's incredibly difficult to tell your subscribers, well, no, you're not invited to this. That's, that's not going to fly. <laughs> but at the same time, if you're working with an emerging audience, you need to have some space left over at the last minute so that you know, these last minute decision makers can take a risk and go. So I've seen, you know, I know with, uh, with the American Repertory Theater, they always hold a certain amount of seats that are not for subscribers so that they can have these last minute um, ticket buyers come in. Um, I'd say oftentimes uh, the programs I'd say that are the most successful with something like that are when, like the ART, they've, they've sort of cordoned off some resources internally or the other approach is to find some sort of strategic partner from outside where you can develop the programming with the partner and then the partner is providing the audience and that way you aren't having to sort of block off your own people. There's, there's sort of a natural boundary that's set up because of a partnership. So when you develop these strategies, is it essentially with a long view in mind that it isn't just this one time we're going to be in a different place or we're going to have this partner and they're going to deliver the audience this one time? How do you make a more sustainable I'm relationship? I'm so glad you said that because oftentimes one of the first things we say is I really don't want us to get involved in a project unless we're talking about at least a year at a time. You know, um, because sometimes too fast is just as dangerous as too slow. You know, we really need to gauge what is the right pace for your organization to grow uh, this new audience. Um, 
I think you know several years ago, actually right around the time uh, I was getting OpenSphere started, an organization in town invested a tremendous amount of money into having a performance uh, that was just for a young professional audience uh, in the midst of a run of a production they were doing. And it was wildly successful. They brought in all kinds of people. Um, but because they devoted so much to this one event, they didn't necessarily have anything planned for after. Um, and that's just as dangerous as sort of creeping along and crawling and never really getting anywhere. One example that leaps to mind for me, <coughs> um, I have two sons, and this was probably 15 years ago, and they had absolutely no interest in classical music. So you could imagine my surprise when my 16-year-old son approaches me in the kitchen and says, we were in the Midwest at the time, Mom, I want to go to Chicago to the Rosemont uh, Concert Hall. And really? Yeah, there's a concert there. You, you, you want to go to a concert in this, in this concert hall? Yeah, yeah, I got to get the tickets. Okay, we'll go. I love classical music, so I was really looking forward to yeah. going with him to this concert. <laughs> we get there, the place had sold out in a matter of hours. We walk in, the audience was 16 to 25 in this concert hall. There was an orchestra in their black orchestra outfits. There was a chorus in robes, and I'm thinking, how did they trick these kids into going to this concert? Well, it, what was the concert? It was the music of the video game Final Fantasy. I was going to ask if it was video <laughs> game music. <laughs> and they were exuberant. There was so much life. They, uh, they could read the story of the music. It meant nothing to me. But we never went back. Yeah. And none of those people, they had flown in from all over the country, from L.A., from Portland, Oregon, to Chicago to fill this hall. This young demographic that you would kill to fill your concert hall. And they went one time. Yeah. Wow. No. There's there's so many stories like that. I mean, I'll I'll name names this time because I do think it was a successful story that presented an interesting challenge. Uh, several years ago, Emmanuel Music did the Great Gatsby opera, and uh, for people who might only know Emmanuel from Bach and Tadas, that might seem like a huge programmatic leap. Uh, but the artistic connection there, of course, is through John Harbison, who's been a huge part of that community for many years, was the interim artistic director uh, several years ago. So they had artistic roots in this project. On the surface, it might have seemed completely different, um, but it, it did bring in a lot of different people. This was right, actually, probably I would say at the peak of the Gatsby craze when the movie came out. So they had lots of new people come out for this, but because it had come from this sort of artistic, um, uh, from their core values, they still got their uh, established base to come out. Now, you know, the challenge, of course, is yeah, how do you get those folks coming back over time? And uh, I know that's, that's something they've been working on. But um, in terms of like, how do you do something that feels like an outlier, but is still kind of rooted in, I thought they did a really nice job with that. So if you were going to leave us with maybe three takeaways, I'm an organization and I'm thinking I want to get the young audience or I want to get a different, um, I want to reach into a new neighborhood that I haven't been able to attract mm -hmm. into my organization, not just young, but maybe, uh, our audiences are all white. How do we start yep. to integrate our audiences? Or just really looking to making our audience look more like the face of the city. Mm -hmm. What are some some of the first three or four things uh, organizations should think about? Yeah, um, organizations to think about, or, mm -hmm. or um, whether you're a, you know presenting concerts or plays or. Um, I say, as far as say some principles to think yeah. about to guide you on these sorts of things. Um, I always like to start with, uh, like you said, I, uh, to identify what's not there. Sometimes you do have to take a bit of a leap. You know, um, we, we typically are swimming in audience data, and we know who we have very well. But sometimes to figure out who we don't have, there's a little bit of intuition that has to come in play there. And it's it's a give and take that you can't live too much in one world or the other. If it's all intuition, you don't know where you're going. Um, 
But once you take that leap to figure out what you don't have, um, look for partners. Um, that I think, you know, that it might be another artistic organization as a partner. It might also be a community organization. It could very well be things like well, restaurants and bars and retail organizations. But find a partner that uh, already has a relationship with that audience you want. Um, and then, you know, figure out the collaboration from there. Uh, I think far too often uh, people want to create things entirely in-house and they, they might skip that step. Um, uh, an another uh, key thing is to figure out you know what what your goals are, uh, and uh, along with that, who owns the program, you know whether it's a marketing-driven program or a development-driven program. Are we just trying to fill seats, or are we looking to get donations in a certain amount of time, uh, or is it going to be some kind of all hands on deck sort of hybrid that's integrated throughout the entire organization? Uh, I think that's really important. Uh, and the one caveat there is don't get so locked down in the goals up front that you can't pivot if it looks like you're getting some interesting results in a different area. Um, related to that, um, chances are every organization has some staff that are in that demographic they want to reach. Make sure those staff's voices are heard. Uh, boy, I can't tell you how many times I've been in meetings where uh, we're talking about getting 20-year-olds or 30-year-olds in, in the audience and everyone who's well out of that demographic is doing most of the talking and I look around on the periphery of the meeting and there's a bunch of 20-somethings and 30-somethings uh, who are just sort of sitting there and say, well, can we get these voices involved in the conversation? Chances are they're there. Let's let them be heard. Um, and then sort of... Um, the, the, I'll bring up that other thing I said before, just think about the context as much as the content. That uh, if, if your context is already very welcoming to, uh, to people who want, say, a social experience, maybe you don't need to lean so heavily on like the cocktail thing or the pre-concert or post-concert experience. Maybe what you need is a little more artistic experimentation. Or if, you know, the, or the contrary, if you have a very traditional experience uh, and, and you think your content might appeal more to a broader audience, then think a lot about that context. What's the box office experience like? What kind of venues are you using? How does someone travel there? Uh, all those sorts of pieces, um, you know, come together. Some great advice. Yeah. Some great, <laughs> and believe me, all of our organizations are thinking about this. So this is a good leaping off part point to start talking within our organizations about um, how we start going down that road, looking at more than one uh, element at a time that's going to make the difference. Graham Wright, another one of our creative minds out loud. Thank you very much. Oh, my pleasure. To learn more about this episode and to subscribe, visit creativemindsoutloud.org.